0: Big clouds. Seeing people walking down the street in their cars and you, you just see these huge clouds being wafted from their, their mouth or the car window or whatever. That's generally the first thing I think when I think about vaping.
1: I'm 14 years old. I've been vaping for like maybe a year or more. One of my friends introduced me to a... I was a bit late to it, but it was definitely end of year eleven. A lot of other people had started, so I feel like that's kind of what had gotten me into it initially. When I got introduced, um, people would say don't bump off, which was when you vape, but don't you don't double inhale. So when you double inhale is um. It's when you inhale once with the vape, get the nicotine, and then you inhale air, and then you get a head spin. That's what I make. It was basically something I just started because all of my friends were doing it, and it kind of appeared weird that I wasn't.
2: That level of risk, doing something dangerous, is cool, I guess. It's kind of exhilarating.
0: I'm all for not just demonising smoking for the sake of it, but actually empowering young people to make informed choices.
3: I think there's a myth or um, a common misunderstanding that teens smoke to rebel or smoke to prove that they're cool or something. But young people smoke because they want to appear to be like adults. The idea of any kid potentially being
2: at risk overrides anything else. And now if the kid's going to use it and be harmed, or then, it's, it's, then they ignore the fact that millions of lives will be saved. If people have different priorities.
4: Why would a
2: tobacco company
4: back monetarily what would be seen as competition that would drive down sales in tobacco?
0: If you truly care about people not having access to a, a, a something that's going to be dangerous for them, then either ban smoking completely and stop getting your big filthy tax or make it prescription only as well. But they won't.
5: We know it's illegal to sell any vaping device that contains nicotine and yet I went online yesterday um, to see if I could buy it and took me one click and there it was.
2: Just because something is safer does not mean it's safe.
6: Welcome to Chasing Clouds, a Quo podcast series produced in collaboration with the Prince of Wales Hospital Foundation and the Head & Neck Cancer Foundation. I'm Ali editor-in-chief at The Quo, and your host for this series. Chasing Clouds is an evidence-based exploration into the social and public health impact of vaping and e-cigarettes in contemporary Australia. We draw upon the expertise of young people, doctors, educators, vapers, academics, and frontline community organisations to bring to light what we need to do moving forward. What does the research say about how harmful nicotine and non-nicotine vapes are? How serious a problem is vaping amongst teenagers and young people in Australia? Should e-cigarettes be considered a legitimate form of harm reduction for smokers who just can't quit? These are some of the questions we will be asking throughout this series. We aim to remain neutral because we're not funded by the vaping industry, nor Big Tobacco. Regardless of whether you support vaping as a harm reduction tool for quitting smoking, or you're a public health official who thinks we need to tighten the legislation, it's very unlikely that you think vaping is objectively good for you. There's no reason to support teens vaping unless it will make you money. Public health expert associate professor Becky Freeman speaks to this.
3: There's this impression or this myth that there's a divide in the health community that vaping is either completely safe or totally dangerous and that you've got a a split down the middle. And I think it's really important to um, to look at that more closely. In Australia, the health community is very much on side together that children in particular should not be vaping that people who don't smoke should not take up vaping if you are an adult smoker who's tried all kinds of things to quit and have just not been successful and you've spoken with your doctor and you've accessed e-cigarettes and they've helped you to completely quit smoking then that's fantastic of course you're doing um, something for your health But this idea that we can sell e-cigarettes on every street corner, allow them to be advertised to everyone, that we shouldn't worry about children using them, um, is very far from this. These are products that are only for smokers who can't quit. And I think we need regulations that reflect that. So what is vaping? Vaping is when you
6: use an e-cigarette, a lithium battery powered device to heat a liquid cartridge into a vapor that is inhaled into your lungs. These liquid cartridges typically contain nicotine, other chemicals and sometimes even THC. Some chemicals can be included to add a fruit, alcohol or sweet-like flavour. Vapes come in many shapes and sizes. Some look like cigarettes or pipes and others look like USB sticks or pens. Some are reusable, like the Juul, and some are disposable like the Hype Max, YouTube personality Sam Parsons, aka The Vaping Bogan, on the international vaping community.
0: It's huge. It's millions of people around the world that have kind of become united through their wanting to be tobacco-free. And so not only are there obviously people supporting each other just on what are the products and what's good and what's bad, but people are supporting each other through, you know, mental health challenges and friendships and um, all sorts of stuff.
6: The first commercially successful e-cigarette mm. was created in Beijing in 2003 by Hon Lick, a pharmacist who invented the device after his father passed away from smoking-related lung cancer. Mm. He wanted to build something that would help smokers quit and was less dangerous than a cigarette. Mm. Whether he achieved either or both of these things remains hotly contested. In Australia, it's illegal to use, sell, or buy nicotine for use in e-cigarettes without a prescription. Each state and territory except Western Australia currently permits the sale of vapes and e-cigarettes, but not the sale or purchase of liquid cartridges that contain nicotine. As a result, Many users purchase products and liquid cartridges online from overseas. It's illegal to sell e-cigarettes that contain nicotine in New South Wales, and it's also illegal to sell any type of e-cigarettes to children under 18. This includes the sale of nicotine vapes in convenience stores and vape shops. 18-year-old Gabby reflects on how accessible vapes were for her during high school with regard to getting access to the vapes um there are a lot
1: of different ways that people do it probably one of the most common is getting someone that is 18 to buy for them or there's even some tobacconists or like news agents like that sort of those sort of places sell them because they are sold under the counter so for a lot of them there's like no reason for them to do that and they might not feel obliged, like they just want the money. Um, Me personally, when I first started getting them, I got my friends to get them for me because I was young for year 12. I only turned 18 now in my first year of uni. Um, So that was pretty easy for me. There's a lot of accounts that are run by people who get large amounts of stock and they post on their social media um, and they do drop-offs or pick it's sort of like a drug deal sort of thing um which is really crazy that people are doing that sort of thing because honestly it's come to that point like people are so desperate for them and they don't want to have to go out or get a fake id or you know do that sort of thing that they are getting them in the same way that you would meet up with someone to i guess do a drug deal or something
3: Going where the silence is,
7: The Quo. An independent media publisher in control of our own agenda. We hold the powerful to account and are accessible to everyone. To support us, head to thequo.com.au and our socials using the handle at thequoau.
6: According to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare's National Drug Strategy Household Survey, the number of people who have ever used an e-cigarette in Australia sat at 11% in 2019. People who use e-cigarettes are three times more likely to smoke combustible tobacco than those who have never tried them. 26.1% of young adults between 18 to 24 have used e-cigarettes, as have 14% of 12- to 17-year-olds. But there is a consensus that more recent statistics are needed. Paul Dillon from Drug and Alcohol Research Australia on what we still don't know.
0: What we don't know, which we need to know, is it's all well and good saying this many young people have ever used Uh, have ever vaped, have ever used an e-cigarette. But that's most probably not particularly important because you really don't want to know about experimentation. You really do want to know about how many are regularly using it and how many, you know, what problems they may be experiencing. We also need to know what they're vaping, which we don't really know either.
6: Mark Brook, the CEO of the Lung Foundation Australia, Explains how we can't conflate youth and recreational vaping with the debate around vaping as a potential method for quitting smoking.
0: I think it's really important as we look at the debate around e cigarettes in this country that we understand that there are two different discussions taking place. And that first discussion, when we talk about e cigarettes as a smoking cessation device, is very controversial. And there are a whole lot of people shouting at each other over evidence at the moment. But from our perspective, the Lung Foundation will never demonise someone who is a smoker and therefore addicted to nicotine. It's not our role as a community organisation and charity to demonise. Our our role is to support. We know um, because we've been working with people who are smokers or former smokers or people living with lung diseases, the consequence of smoking, um, how difficult it is and how tragic smoking is for one's health. The other area that we've become really, really interested in is what we've termed recreational vaping. So young people in particular who have taken up vaping, so people that have never, ever smoked. Now, we know that though, we know young people will take risks um, from time to time. What we're concerned about is where those two channels start to cross over. And is there a correlation between recreational vaping and normalising smoking? And then young people making a jump from vaping back to traditional tobacco products. Your lungs are designed to breathe in clean air. And so heating any product and then drawing that into your lungs right down to the base of your lungs is unequivocally proven to be detrimental to your health. And whether we're looking at occupational issues or whether we're looking at smoking or whether we're looking at vaping, we know Irrefutably, the evidence from the World Health Organization and significant research tells us that the inhalation of foreign and toxic materials to your lungs is dangerous. And there are both uh, shorter-term impacts and really long-term impacts. And short-term impacts might be things like breathlessness and nausea and um, throat sores and hoarseness. In some cases, you know, um, as we've seen reported evalai, which is, you know, vaping-related injuries of the lungs um, in people that, you know, might have tried it once or twice, but they might be also um, more frequently vaping. And then we have longer-term issues, and that's where a lot of the controversy lies in this this debate, because if we reflect back on traditional tobacco products, it took 50 years to really show up that smoking traditional tobacco products was the leading cause of cancer and the leading contributor to death. Um, what we're grappling with as a community health organization is how long do you wait? What's, what's the chicken and the egg argument? Do we clamp down on this now and put in place regulations and safety and information so that in 50 years from now, we're out of business? You know, We're not talking about young, young people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Living with chronic or chronic lung diseases or lung cancer. It's very clear that nicotine is uh, a toxic substance. That's why it's banned. Um, It's very clear that uh, nicotine does impact brain development of young children, young people, and their adults. We know from significant studies um, of parents who have smoked. Um, that there is a direct correlation between smoking and infant development. So all of that, you know, that that roundness of that evidence should tell you that breathing in a toxic heated um, liquid into your lungs in a vapour form is just not good. In
6: December 2020, Researchers from Curtin University tested the ingredients and toxicity of 52 e-liquids for sale over the counter in Australia. They discovered that 21% of e-liquids contained nicotine, 62% of new e-liquids contained chemicals likely to be toxic if vaped repeatedly, and 100% of e-liquids had between one to 18 chemicals which have unknown effects on respiratory health paediatric respiratory physician, Professor Adam Jaffe, on why it's a problem that vapes are accessible to adolescents.
5: So we know that in Australia it is illegal to uh, sell e-cigarettes that contain nicotine, um, and yet it's readily available online. And this is a real challenge we have as a respiratory paediatrician, that um, adolescents can go online and purchase it. It's not regulated. And the problem with this is that many of these vaping devices actually contain nicotine. In fact, some work done by uh, Curtin University showed that about 20% um, of uh, the vaping devices they tested actually contain nicotine. And of course, nicotine is potentially addictive. Uh, In fact, the way the tobacco companies have devised um, a pack of cigarettes a day is actually based on the pharmacokinetics of nicotine. In other words, we know that the half-life of nicotine is 40 minutes. And if you're awake for about 18 hours a day, um, it's anticipated that you'll smoke one pack a day. And so the real challenge for us respiratory pediatricians in caring for children and adolescents is that if they were to try vaping that contain nicotine, there is the real risk that they become addicted to it. And actually it's a gateway to um, cigarette smoking. So this is a real public health concern to us.
6: 19 year old university student, Millie, describes how she found herself addicted to nicotine vapes.
1: I feel like there's a lot of stigma, especially like, you know, people my age against smoking. And I wasn't really kind of like pleased that I was, and that I really enjoyed it. So I think I was kind of looking for a different way to explore like nicotine and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't really expecting that I'd be get like get addicted to nicotine, but I did.
6: So how you know, these things go. Associate Professor Rene Batoon, an internationally recognized smoking cessation expert, gives us an insight into nicotine's origins. Where is the nicotine coming
7: from when you buy your e-juice or you buy your Jewel, um, you know, equipment, or you buy the little pods that people are buying. Um, all sorts of equipment people are buying. Where is the nicotine coming from that you're buying? Well, it, of, of course, it's got to come from the tobacco plant, and who grows tobacco? But the tobacco farmers and the tobacco industry promotes it. It's pretty straightforward. It's a direct line. It's not anything more sophisticated than that. But again, most people don't quite realize that that's where the nicotine comes from. They suspect it comes. I don't know, in a lab, and there are people in white coats making it up in glass jars, you know, wrong. Um, it comes straight from the the tobacco farms and you can visit them. And, you know, in, in the United States, that's why they don't have strong anti-smoking campaigns, really, um, very rarely did they have them for a long time because of the lobby of the tobacco industry is such a phenomenal lobby um, in many states in the United States. The tobacco itself has really strong... Um, pesticide activity of itself you don't have to put anything in it if you just simply um, put some tobacco leaves around your roses there you won't get any animals you won't get any snails because they 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 really are um, repelled by it so it's an interesting pesticide of its own you don't need to put much and people say oh the you know the tobacco industry puts things in cigarettes well, they don't actually need to do very much at all. It actually grows out of the ground like that. So, if you extract nicotine pure out of tobacco, um, what you don't get, and you know we concede this with vaping, is you don't get any carbon monoxide, the gas from from burning that leaf, which you don't get from burning, which you get from burning any leaf, as you do those. Polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. You any green leaf that you burn, be it um, a a wood pile, you know, um, barbecue, anything you burn will produce those polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons and carbon monoxide. And you probably everybody knows that carbon Mm. monoxide can be serious, fatal poison um, and a poisonous gas. And smokers don't get that who are vaping because there's no burning of the leaf. What that means is that when there's carbon monoxide enough in smokers' lungs that they make more hemoglobin because of it to carry oxygen better, and they are more likely to clot, blood clots mm. in smokers. So we, you know, and I can see it, absolutely no problem with that, that there's less less likelihood of clotting in people who vape. Now, the question regarding carbon monoxide is a very curious thing, and it's come up again recently, that um, potentially carbon monoxide has an addictive component to it. Of all things, this is a deadly gas. Um, There is something about carbon monoxide that might entice people to both smoke and vape. Why do people do both? Some people say it's more rewarding. I like it better. I I like a cigarette. Two. when you're getting nicotine and i'm here saying look nicotine is really addictive it's absolutely essential ingredient without it people don't smoke uh, but maybe there is something about carbon monoxide that other little element there is a little element there of addictiveness we think it's carbon monoxide i'm not the only one who thinks that it, there's some studies been looking at that component that gas is there
6: something about it bella a year 12 student from sydney tells us how school students use nicotine to relax.
1: Nicotine is also used as kind of like a coping mechanism, which is really big for teenagers, especially just like in your 12, just, you know, and like so many mental health problems. And it's just like an easy kind of vice to have. I think it just kind of calms people down. It's like some kind of like mental attachment you have to it, cause You've kind of created this associ- association with it that it's going to make you feel calmer and feel better. You just come back to it when you're stressed, anxious, you feel really sad. Yeah, it's like how people use like drinking. Instead of drinking, you can vape or smoke. And it's like easier because you're not gonna have any like cogn- cognitive like changes or like behavioral things or anything. So it's just there and so it's just accessible.
6: ENT and surgeon Dr Catherine Miller on how vape use could be a gateway back to cigarettes and lead to an increase in head and neck cancers. With
4: younger children being exposed to nicotine earlier and in a greater proportion, the concern there is the ability to become addicted to nicotine, which is well established, and then the next pathway that is the potential for them to go down with an established nicotine addiction, could be traditional cigarette use. If that translates into a greater number of young people taking up cigarettes, the public health outcome of that is significant because that is more people starting at a younger age with a carcinogenic substance. We could reasonably expect that in 20 or 30 years' time from now, we will start to see the rates of smoking-related cancers of the head and neck rise again. At the other end of the scale with adults, as I said to you, looking to use vaping as a means to step down, the literature hasn't really borne that out. And, in fact, what we see is a lot of adults who have great intentions of cutting out cigarettes completely using vaping often will go to a blend of vaping and cigarette smoking as well. And so they're not completely reducing their risk. Um, and the endless cycle of nicotine addiction continues to make it very hard for them to get rid of cigarettes altogether. And as long as they continue to smoke, as you know, the risk of developing head and neck cancer from smoking goes up over time. So I think there's those two groups where vaping is not reducing our incidence, head and neck cancer and worryingly there is some evidence that particularly in younger people it may well increase it over time.
6: Not everyone is convinced that nicotine is so dangerous. Dr Colin Mendelson of the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association paints a different picture.
2: Look long-term use of nicotine is not a significant concern So nicotine is addictive, but it's relatively benign in the doses used in in smoking and vaping. And and that's not just my opinion. That's that's well accepted by the the Royal College of Physicians in the UK, Public Health England, the Royal Society for Public Health, all have very clear statements that nicotine is not the problem. What kills people from smoking is the tar, the carbon monoxide, the thousands of chemicals uh, produced by combustion. Uh, nicotine is addictive, but causes very few uh, and relatively minor harmful effects. If it's preventing people from going back to smoking, it's, it's preventing uh, you know, one of the biggest complications, um, um, uh, health concerns that we have. And, and look, there are many benefits from nicotine. It does release the pleasure hormone, dopamine, in the brain, so it creates a sense of pleasure. Uh, it improves concentration and memory. It reduces weight, it has a calming effect, it improves mood and it's beneficial for a whole range of medical conditions. It improves schizophrenia, ADHD, Parkinson's disease, ulcerative colitis. So there are lots of positive benefits of nicotine um, as well as small risk.
6: According to the World Health Organisation, nicotine is highly addictive when used in e-cigarettes especially when used by children and adolescents, whose brains continue to develop into their mid-twenties. Mark Brook of the Lung Foundation Australia looks at the wider health and social impact of vaping.
0: There's your physical health, so the damage that's being done to your lungs. And then there's the mental health issues of vaping around young people, and all of the issues that even I experienced as a young person around peer pressure you know, how to say no, the mental anguish to young people of not being vaping or being told to vape all, you know, all of those issues are re- haven't been quantified all that well yet, but I'm anecdotally I'm hearing from school principals and from parents that they were really worried about their children's health and well-being for not being in on the crowd or being seen to be a bit of a pussy for not having a go at it. I think the broader question that many of People that are critical of the Lung Foundation's position is what are the long term effects? At what point do we draw a line and say that it's okay that 1% or 5% or 10% of young people who try vaping go back to traditional tobacco products? And there doesn't seem to be much attention on that question about what is a safe threshold, what is a safe risk margin, so that young people who are taking vaping up and then go on to take up. Uh, a history a long-term history of vaping or indeed a transition into traditional tobacco products. Now, what does that margin look like? and because this is relatively new on the scene, you know we're talking about the last seven or eight years, and we don't know that yet. and but what we do know from lessons learned to the past is that Australia leads the world in driving down um, the rates of young people smoking. You know, and young people have shown, incredible intelligence to drive that down you know this has been led by young people themselves making really informed choices not to take up smoking traditional tobacco products and our worry you know is that all of those years of excellent work by governments and young people and parents and and our broader community and sort of not wanting to normalize smoking again will be unraveled because of uh, uh, you know, an, an attraction to something that has been marketed to smokers as being safer. And that message has permeated into young people about, well, it's not, you know, I've spoken to young people, I've been part of panels with young people who've gone, but it's not like normal smoking. Um, so I think we, we've really got to make, um, we've really got to credit young people for their own intelligence and their own maturity, but at the same time, weigh up the risk benefits of allowing this to just go unfettered within our community.
6: Vapes have also been linked to avali, otherwise known as e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury. Avali is an acute and sometimes life-threatening respiratory illness. It was first described in 2019 in the United States, where there have been close to 3,000 cases. Avali is strongly linked to vitamin E acetate, which is predominantly found in counterfeit e-cigarette brands. Vaping THC, the psychoactive compound found inside cannabis, has also been strongly associated with avali. It is still unclear if there have been any cases of avali reported in Australia. Public Health England have concluded that e-cigarettes are 95% less harmful than traditional cigarettes. Bruce Manfield of the Minderoo Foundation's Collaborate Against Cancer initiative disputes this.
2: There's this factoid that's been around, and disproven, of course, is this common use claim, which is e-cigarettes are 95% less harmful than traditional cigarettes. Well, firstly, there's a lot of conjecture about that data set that came out of Public Health England that's been disproven since then. The second one is no matter how harmless or less harmful it is, it's still harmful.
6: Renee Batun on why she believes we need to proceed with caution. Discussing
7: the history of smoking over the world, it did take, and it does take um, decades for adverse events to accumulate enough for reporting it well enough um, to understand the medical consequences which is why we're very cautious about still today about um, e-cigarettes because and vaping because it's really relatively new we're already seeing adverse events of course we're seeing um, more and more reports so we've got better ways of collecting information Um, the cautionary part of it is is real i think because Um, You know, once upon a time, doctors would say it's really good to smoke. It's good for the upper airways to clear your lungs, um, which in retrospect is an appalling
6: thing. But
7: so we need to be, um, as I said, very cautious. Advertising
6: of e-cigarettes is illegal in Australia. But on social media, users are often bombarded by images of influencers promoting their favourite vapes. Popular TV shows consumed by Australians regularly feature characters who vape. In episode two, we look at how e-cigarette companies get around advertising bans using social media and product placement. We ask just how connected they are with Big Tobacco and what degree of regulation is necessary to effectively reduce supply to teenagers while allowing people who choose to use e-cigarettes to quit smoking controlled access to nicotine vapes. Here's a taste of what's to come from Associate Professor Becky Freeman.
3: Australia can't just ban online advertising of vaping and think, oh, job's done, we've banned it. Because what about all those sites that young people access that aren't for Australian companies and don't originate in Australia? We have no jurisdiction over those things. So we need global cooperation.